Dr. Lee has asked me to start off with my testimony. Um, I was born and raised uh, Roman Catholic. Um, if you know anything about the North, uh, the North is heavily Roman Catholic. Um, I went to a Roman Catholic church all my life, was very, uh, not devoted isn't the right word. Uh, we went every Sunday as a family. Um, and I could tell you um, that every Sunday I could not wait to leave. Um, but it was something that you did. Um, and then about two, two and a half years ago, um, well, I'll start three years ago, my best friend got saved. Um, and he started trying to twist my arm to go to church with him. And I kept saying no. Um, looking back, it was, it was very, quite, very, very foolish. Um, but eventually he actually got enough leverage to uh, get me to go to church with him. Like I needed, to, I needed him to do something. And uh, he said, I'll only do it if you come to church with me. And it was because of that, uh, because of um, his persistence in my life, that he finally got me to go to church. Um, and then I, I heard a challenge um, that actually it didn't sit well with me. It wasn't a gospel challenge. It was a challenge about whether purgatory was real or not. And it, it did not sit well with me. And so I, I went up to the youth pastor uh, after the challenge and started talking to him. And what really sticks out to me to this day, um, and it's what sticks out to me to, to believers uh, when, when I talk to them, is he knew so much about the Bible. He knew so much about God's Word. And he was, when he would talk to me, he always responded to my questions through God's word. And he can, I, the question I asked of myself is why do I not know what God's word says? Uh, and so I went home uh, and I started reading and I kept coming back and having questions. And after about two months of that, I got saved. Um, so one, uh, just a lesson of the power of God's word. Uh, and two, just thankful for God's uh, provision and grace in my life. Uh, today, um, I want us to, to turn to John chapter six. Um, and to talk about uh, what are we seeking after, um, or a better, maybe a better way to, to ask this question is: Does what we are seeking after matter? Um, my my generation is is plagued by people who uh, spend their days uh, on the couch uh, playing video games, and one particular story really stuck out to me. It, it's it might be you might consider it to be an exaggeration of uh, what my, my generation is like, um, but it, it really articulates the, the core problem. Um, there was uh, one uh, young man, actually he's older than myself, that spent five years uh, playing on a single Minecraft world, and uh, after five years, his in-game in character died, uh, and he lost all the progress that he had made in that game, and what's obvious after the fact is that all the, all the time and the energy that he had devoted uh, was really in vain. Uh, he, he had accomplished n nothing or next to nothing um, with that because uh, ultimately this, this fictitious world uh, passed away. And, and again, I, this might seem like an exaggeration, but I, I, would, I would challenge and say that that actually is kind of what seeking after things that are of this world is like. It's seeking after something that is 
we, we attain just to lose. Uh, there, there is no eternality behind it. Um, so I said well, we're going to be in John chapter 6. Um, we're going to start off with a little bit of context. Uh, the context is actually partially given in the text. So we'll start uh, verse 22. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other uh, boat there, save that uh, one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit, there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place that they did, not, did eat bread. After that, the Lord had, give, had given thanks. Then the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples. They also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. So what we have here is a little bit of uh, context is required. Uh, John chapter 6 has three major parts to it. First is the feeding of the 5,000. Then is the Jesus walking on water. And then it's this discourse, the bread of life discourse. And what's happening here is the people from the feeding of the 5,000 are again seeking after Jesus. They've just seen him do this great miracle, and they're looking for him again. And what we'll find is that Jesus actually, upon finding, upon finding Jesus, Jesus rebukes the crowd for seeking him, but not because, they're, not because simply they're seeking him, but because they're seeking him for the wrong reasons. And th- this is where we get our question, uh, what are we seeking after? And so that, this is going to come to our, our first point that I'd like to make, which is that God is eternal, this world is not. And so well, let's continue in the text. Uh, verse 25, And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye, ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth, unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. What, what we see here is that the, the same people who have witnessed a miracle are coming to Jesus, but they're seeking him uh, because of the, the bread that he produced. Uh, Jesus makes a distinction between the, the worldly bread that they have received and the e- eternality of the salvation that he is offering. Um, you can almost say there, there's two subgroups. There is the, the things of this world um, and, and the things that go beyond this world, the things that last. And the distinction that Jesus is trying to make between bread, uh, you can almost fill in the blank with other things like uh, money or steady relationships. The, the difference between those things, relationships, money, food, and Jesus' salvation is that Jesus' salvation lasts. It endures. It, it goes beyond just this world. It, it will not inevitably perish. I, I currently drive a 2006 Saturn, uh, and w- what I'm finding is that whether or not I drive this car, it is inevitably, um, it is inevitably deteriorating, just like we ourselves are deteriorating. And, that, and that's the, the true the reality of this world is that everything in this world is perishing except for the salvation which Jesus offers. 
And so obviously Jesus is not saying it's a wrong thing to pursue food, but when there's something so much more important, something that lasts so much longer, like the salvation that Jesus offers, we, we ought to seek wholeheartedly for that. And that should be our, our primary focus. And then uh, moving back into the text, what, what we find is Jesus focuses in on the truth that God is the source of blessing. Uh, starting again in verse 28. Uh, they said, Then they said unto him, What shall we do, that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign shewest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. This, This passage or this particular section, always seemed kind of like an insult to me. The crowd had just witnessed a a great miracle, a miracle that I bet you all of us would like to have witnessed. And this crowd is asking, what signs do you do? Um, What what, what comes of this, though, is that Jesus doesn't take the insult and and kind of run away with, oh, I just did this sign. No, he, he reminds them what the source of miracles is. He, he brings us back and says that God is the one who did, did these works, not Moses. That, that it, was, it is through God that we are blessed. I, I think of James 1.17, for every good and perfect gift come, uh, come from the Father. Um, that God is the one who provides us with these blessings. And so when we, when we see a blessing like food or money, or a relationship, it is, it, it is tempting to pursue the blessing. But I, I think the, the pursuit here that is more important is the pursuit of the blesser, the pursuit of God. And, and also notice here the, the connection to uh, the question, which is that the, the greatest miracle that's happening is happening right before their eyes. The Messiah has, has come. Uh, the Messiah is, has arrived, and, and he is saying, in response to what miracle do you do, I'm here. Uh, and that is, and that is the, the greatest miracle and the greatest gift that anyone could ask for. Uh, and we are reminded that that is sourced in, in the Father. Uh, and so as, as we turn to prayer, um, I, I'm burdened because of my, my experience uh, in in prayer meetings, where uh, especially in the on the college campuses, um, there uh, there are times when prayer can just be a time of a request for blessing. Um, that God turns into a sort of vending machine. Um, God, I would like this, this, and this, and there's no there's no seeking after Him within prayer, um, and so. I, I know I'm talking to a, a bunch of people who have uh, more wisdom than me and have spent more time in the Word than I, um, 
but I, I, I've, I have been encouraged and reminded of the importance of seeking after God in prayer because of this passage. And I hope it's an encouragement to you as well.